Hello everybody and welcome to the 39th episode of the Alienverse Predator Galaxy podcast. This is uh, your usual host, Aaron Percival, or Corporal Hicks as I go by in the online community. And I'm actually going to be your only familiar voice today. I've ditched all the other guys. I've brought two new chaps in to uh, chat with us today. First up we have uh, Dave. Hello. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Happy to be here. And he comes uh, from way of the Hulking Reviewer. Yes, yes. So that that's um, obviously a comic reviewing blog, isn't it? It's more than just Alien and Predator. Yeah, they do comics, movie, TV, anything you know, in the in that sort of genre. And uh, we'll we'll post a link up to uh, Dave's site as well. And also joining us is a name that'll be familiar to folk who are also in the online community. Goes by Ultramorph Online, or at least on our forums. Every, everywhere else, he is uh, Michael Joseph Green. Thank you for joining us today. Good to be here. And we're here to nerd out, aren't we? We're, we're talking comics today. Yep. Well, at least the recent comics. Uh, I don't think we've got time to talk every every single comic. Yeah, that, that would take a while. <laughs> that would take very long. <laughs> you know, that might be something, another experiment for another day. But so, we are going to keep it pretty close down to the recent releases, which is going to be Aliens Defiance, the Life and Death series, and the Whaling yutani Report. But before we, uh, before we start nerding out on that, I was hoping you guys could give us a little bit of uh, background about yourselves. Um, you know, when you first got into the films and when you got into the comics. So Dave, why don't you, uh, why don't you start us off? Sure. Uh, my first experience with the movies, man, it almost feels like a lifetime ago. It was on um, TV. I happened to catch Aliens that I think was around the just beginning of it. And then ever since then, I was just obsessed. It was so different than everything else at the time. And then from then on, it was just um, anything that had to do with the series and the franchise and HR, uh, Giger, everything. I was always absolutely loved. I didn't I actually didn't see Alien until sometime later. So I was one of those uh, Colonial Marine uh, obsessed kids. <laughs> the amount of people that got into those films uh, through Aliens is surprising. Yes. Um, you know, I so saw Alien 3 in the theater. And, you know, you touched it on your previous podcast. I was going to do one thing and was going to be the other. Still loved it. Um, and then Resurrection and the rest. Best and the worst I've put up with the franchise, <laughs> like most of us. <laughs> uh, we've all been through the pain. Yeah, yeah, we have. That's why some of these newer reboots don't bother me so much. What I've been with the Alien series alone is not for two lifetimes. <laughs> and then, um, and then the comics. Um, like most kids of those days, I went to the when comics were huge. I stumbled upon Dark Horse. I saw the Alien comics. I was like, Whoa, what is this? And that was that. Alien series, the female war, I went through a huge, huge um, phase of reading them all the time. I thought they were really cool. It was cool getting different stories, different characters. In some cases, the same characters with different names. Um, I read all the books. Just you name it. Soak it all in. So, pro- proper uh, expanded universe, lover. Yes. Okay, what, what about you, uh, Michael? When did you first see the film? When did you get interested in the uh, expanded universe? Oh well, my my uh, parents they were they were fans of the film, so I, I'm not sure when I first saw Aliens, but I, I must have been young. I know I I had like the the Kenner toys like when I was a kid, you know, like four and five. I remember you know going into KB and stuff and seeing those. So it's been on my it's been on my radar since I was pretty young. But the the first one I remember seeing was actually uh like Resurrection when it came out on VHS. I think I was like eight or nine or something. So that's, I, have, I have kind of a, a weird affinity for that one because it's the, the first one I really remember seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, far, as far as the comics, I remember 
I lived in New Hampshire a lot when I was a kid, so we never had a, a local comic book store. I remember I used to go online to, like, Dark Horse's website and see that, oh, man, they have all these comics. Like, there's all these stories, the aliens take over Earth and all these cool things. I don't think it was until I was, like, 14 or something, and I went down to a uh, comic shop in Virginia that I actually got my first couple issues of the comics, and I think it was a couple issues of Labyrinth, uh, like, Predator Xenogenesis, so it was kind of a mixed bag, but it's been, uh, it's been kind of, um, I've been kind of, uh, since then, though, uh, right around the time, like, Alien vs. Predator came out, I was able to start sort of uh, getting the novels. My friend and I, when I was in uh, middle school, we used to read all the Alien novels, all the Predator novels, like the S.D. Perry and everything, so once I started reading those, it was kind of no looking back. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. My first introduction into the expanded universe was was one I'm still ashamed of because I'm I'm not a fan of the crossovers with the other licenses. I know I'm yeah. probably not many like me, but I, you know I don't like the stuff like Batman versus Predator or Superman versus Alien stuff like that. But the first one I ever read was the last issue of Judge Dredd versus Aliens. Uh. So and then the first complete one I ever read I think was Superman versus Aliens from um from like the school library or something like that. I've read either of those. You haven't? Nope. <laughs> oh, you're lucky. You stay there. <laughs> I'm, there. There are some that people say are actually quite good. I think Batman vs. Um, Predator is supposed to be pretty decent. Yeah, the, the first Batman vs. Alien was okay. You know, it was acceptable. <laughs> I, I just avoid them just on principle. Anything, yeah. Which is funny because obviously Alien vs. Predator is, you know, crossover, isn't Natural. it? So, yeah. Well, yeah, it, it, it feels it it feels like it fits far more than any of the yeah, other ones. More organic, mm. yeah. And obviously, it's it's successful enough in its in its own right because it's a, an entirely separate, um, you know, an entirely separate brand. So you can't complain at that. But I think the thing that really interested me most about comics was, well, and the books and everything. It is what it says on the tin. You know, it's expanded universe. It goes further than the films and allows you to explore a little bit more. And the one comic that I Spent ages hunting down. This this was, you know, like you back in um, back in secondary school when you know you haven't really got your access to your online shopping and whatnot. Um, at least back in that day, so I, I could never really get hold of the comic I wanted, which was Destroying Angels um, Apocalypse. Because uh, that was a good story. Uh, it was a great story. Yeah, you know, I was really yeah. interested in seeing that expansion of the space shopping stuff. Yeah, I never read that before until I grabbed one of the um, omnibuses, and oof, I was like, how did I never read this before? <laughs> yeah, I, I picked up the omnibus to read that uh, a couple months before Prometheus came out, and I, I wound up feeling like the comic kind of ruined Prometheus for me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can yeah. See that. yeah, that might be an actual topic of its own for another episode, because you know, there's a fair bit of similarity between them, isn't there? Yeah, I yes, strongly I suspect Jonathan Spates read the comic. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was reading it. I'm like, what? what? I'm like, wait a minute, that's familiar. That's familiar. I'm like, hold up. <laughs> uh, when the when the main character starts running around with the android's head, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess we'll save that one for another episode because you know we talked about the recent stuff. We're talking about Defiance, Life and Death, and Wayland Judani report. So should we talk Defiance first? Do you reckon? Yeah, why not? Okay, yeah, sounds good. So we're only two issues in so far. The uh, third one's been delayed to give um, the artist time to you know work work on the upcoming issues. But we're just two issues out so far. I've seen nothing but positivity towards these comics, and I think it's 
a, a well-deserved um, reaction. What about you guys? Yeah, it's the art alone. I don't even, it doesn't even mean the words. I could just stare at it and read it like a sound of the film. I'd be happy. Yeah, it's definitely or some, just... like, next-level art. Mm. Yeah. I, I found it very reminiscent. Uh, it's Tristan Jones who um done the artwork with uh, Dan Jackson doing the colours. Yep. Um, you know, from the very first sort of uh, sketches that um, Tristan was showing, it was just reminded me of the Golden Age, you know, comics like um, Labyrinth with um, Plunkett, Killian Plunkett. Did you guys ever get that vibe? Oh, definitely, especially the way he draws the aliens. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Of all the comics I've read, it, it feels like it's part of the universe. It feels like that alien, aliens, you know, worn, blue-collar, normal person surviving type vibe to it with everything. Mm. Kendrick's, um, you know, she seems like a real person, doesn't she? It's not... Yeah. It's not a 2D cutout. She's that she's actually bringing some depth straight away. Yes. Because yeah. you know that's not something. I mean, you you kind of get a hint of it in the original Aliens comics with with Hicks or Wilkes, whatever. You know, having um, having his issues. They, you know, they're suffering uh, PTSD, aren't they, after the events of Hadley's Hope or Rim, whichever version you're reading. And that's not something that really tends to get carried a lot into a lot of the series, as I think. You don't really see any, you know, lasting effects of anything. And Correct. It's just, you know, bam, bam. one life for death, and it's really it. But, I mean, e- even though Kendrick's issue isn't, you know, isn't related to the aliens to start with, it already, it brings a load of baggage for her already off the bat. You know, she's she's handicapped, literally. And, um, you know, figuratively, as far as the story's concerned, um, straight away. You know, we, we've, on, we've only, we've only had two issues with her, but how are you guys taken to her character? Very human. Yeah. No, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it too. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying seeing how she, uh, reacts to, uh, you know, especially like you were saying with all her, you know, all her baggage, everything that's going on with her, how she sort of responds to all the things with uh, that we as the readers know are uh, coming for her. That's definitely going to be interesting to see. Yeah, it definitely. It's, you know, like you also touched on it, someone with some depth is not just a, a cutout, someone who's there just to survive. Like she has other um, things going on that work into her and her team and her new mission. It's very, you know, you get, you actually could get attached to the character instead of just waiting for her to be the next, you know... Uh, victim of some cool kill. Mm, definitely agree there. Do you think? Do you think she's capable of carrying? You know, a big long run. The potential's there. I mean, we'll see yeah, how. Yeah, I don't see why not. What is it called? Fun, but it's there's definitely potential there. Mm. We've only really, you know, we're only really scratched the surface, and the other character, the other main characters, um, Davis, mm-hmm. who is a Wayland Utani security android synthetic thing, and the two of them seem to um, seem to have an interesting dynamic going off already as well, which uh, should be fun to watch throughout the series. I think that 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 could be quite fun. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what uh, what's going on with with uh, Davis. I mean, we don't we don't normally see androids just breaking their programming that readily, so I, I suspect there's there's definitely something interesting that's uh, going to play out with his character uh, eventually. Oh. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And the the whole plot twist. Um, with the, oh, I suppose we should have warned. Spoilers, by the way, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, because Davis isn't really what you're expecting, is it? Him and his, um, him and his, uh, other androids. They totally sort of turn, they, they turn the trope on their head, don't they? I mean, you saw, you always expect the androids to be the bad guy. 
And yeah, yeah it, it certainly seems like that's the way they're going, doesn't it? Throughout the first issue, anyway. Yeah. You know, he's, he's sort of nefarious, not really telling then um, Kendrick's what what he's up to, and then yeah. Boom! It turns out you know he's a robot with a uh, conscience. I thought that re- worked really well, and I actually wasn't expecting it when I read it. No, I wasn't either. It's nice to see a little um, deviation from the normal, you know, storylines we sometimes see in these uh, these series. It was pretty cool. So now she kind of has this little squad of you know rebellious synthetics in a good way. So that should make interesting um, goings on. And their their objective is, of course, to um, hunt down and wipe out the aliens. Right. Uh, so, how many issues is the run? It's twelve minimal, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's twelve. And uh, the last time I talked to Tristan on Twitter, I don't think it's been. Um, I don't think they've ordered any more yet. So I think it's still just at okay. twelve. So, is that a concept? Do you think that will that will carry? I mean, obviously, there's. I tend to find these limited stories with Alien, at least when compared to like Predator. And, you know, the concept of, a, of an ongoing, long-running thing, it seems like it would be a genuine struggle for um, for writers. Do you think, based on these two issues and that very basic concept that we have so far, is that something that's going to interest you for 12 issues? Or do you think there's going to be some deviation from that, you know, somewhere down the line? I mean, if it continues the pace that it's on now, it should be able to carry on for 12 issues. Hopefully, it's able to... Um to do so, but it's you know it's a tough um, franchise to keep fresh for a long time without repeating the same thing over mm. and over again. But with what we've given so far, it's I'd prefer twelve straight of this than uh, like the kind of mix and match four part things we were getting with Life and Death and Fire and Stone. I'm really curious to see how this goes. It's nice to see a straight alien story without any uh, guest appearances. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I definitely I, I definitely agree. It, it'll be interesting to see as the 12 issues go on, um, sort of if they fall into any of the familiar tropes or if they continue sort of uh, flipping things on their head. I mean, I, I don't know if, um, I mean, we've already done spoilers, but have you guys, you've been reading, like, the solicitations? I think solicitations were up to, like, issue six or something. Uh, it, and it seems like, it seems like they're still, like, they've still got some interesting twists and turns coming, so... uh I'm definitely, I'm confident that they'll be able to tell a fairly interesting story. Uh, and, and I actually think that um, the fact that they haven't expanded it yet past the 12 might actually be a good thing. It might actually sort of uh, force uh, Brian Wood, the, you know, the writer, to just uh, tell sort of a concise story rather than, uh, I think it, it has a potential if it went on longer maybe to kind of become a little meandering or to kind of go off message. Right. Yeah. yeah, completely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I do think could potentially be, and, and it has actually shown itself already, potential to make it fresh, keep it fresh, is the fact that, you know, of recent, last two years or so, uh, they have done a reasonable job of expanding Alien even further. And Defiance taps into this a little bit um, in terms of um, Siegson, you know, mm-hmm. um, and Prometheus, say what we will of the film, you know, it opened up. A fair range of um, opportunities to explore. It doesn't doesn't necessarily need to be solely on the xenomorphs. So that integration of these other elements could work really well in keeping it fresh as well. I would say, and and as well as from a visual style of, as well, because um, Tristan's um, included various uh, bits and bobs from Alien Isolation. So it's not just using the same kit over and over again. Might not necessarily now be the same story over and over again. 
Yeah, I, I, that's one thing I really, really love about Defiance is just the, the look of the world, the whole lo-fi thing. You know, it doesn't look like aliens yeah. or something like all yep. the old, you know, a lot of the older comics did. It's, it's very refreshing. Yes, it's definitely a breath of fresh air, especially when we've been um, bombarded with alien stuff the last year or so, which has been wonderful. It's nice to see something different. Um, like Aaron said, flips everything, you know, on its head a bit, a little taking a couple chances. It's, it's nice to see. Definitely. Do we want to talk about um, any of the things that, uh, like Tristan, he's pretty active on Twitter, that he's teased about oh, wanting yeah. to put yeah. into the story? or? Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, that uh, that you-headed Xenomorph he showed, like, last month, that was that was definitely interesting. Mm. I like that he always teases on, uh, on Twitter. It's nice seeing him uh, with little sketches and his little commentary with him. It's, it's nice to see the process. Mm. Yeah. He's been quite active on, on, on our forums as well. Um, which has been nice because he's, he's you know been asking for um, bits of reference and taking suggestions and stuff like that. Um, there's there's like there's been things like um, uh, shotguns and weaponry from from the other games and concepts and stuff like that from the games that you know the the the, the expanded universe tends to be quite insular. Um, there's not a lot of continuity between everything from a story standpoint of view, from a design standpoint um, um, design point of view. So, you know, the possibility of, of seeing things cross over like that, it makes it really interesting as well. All dip into one another. Mm. Definitely. It's, it's, it's definitely cool to see the, uh, the last two years or so, all the effort that's uh, been put into making all these new things sort of feel cohesive. It's definitely, yeah. it's uh, refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not something that's really been done since the first few comics, really. I mean, those first probably four series was, the, was you know, the most connected that, I think Aliens has been in the entire run. Um, so same for Predator as well, really. I mean, that was only the first three seasons, I think. Season three series is, that were really connected. Yeah, that's became a, everything just became a... Free-for-all. Slurs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Battle royal stories and characters. And... Mm. Yeah. So I, I completely agree. You know, it's, it, it was something I always found I missed quite a lot. You know, when... The early, the early uh, noughties when um, Dark Horse put out, Dark Horse Press put out like the novels and stuff like that. You know, they were all, they were all completely separate. And there, there was one that, you know, the S.D. Perry one that sort of referenced back to the old EU. Um, I, I, I always genuinely miss that kind of, that kind of connected feeling. And it's, it's like Michael was saying, there's been some concerted effort to actually make sure all this stuff fits. Yeah. I mean, you, you even uh, obviously one of the, one of the biggest, uh, well, one of the most infamous uh, things that happened to the comics was the changes um, Newton Hicks to uh, Billy and Will, and and, and this time around um, you had the studio sort of working, well, at least providing notes to the Fire and Stone. I nearly forgot the name of the series. Then the um, the first multi-part event, you know, they were providing feedback on it, so they had to change certain things and do different things so that they wouldn't overlap with the film and comics wouldn't be rendered moot when um, Prometheus 2, now Alien, um, Covenant um, was actually released. And it's not it's not just in the comics either, is it? You know, it's, it's the comics, the game, the, the novels as well, they're doing it. Yep, definitely. I mean, even if it didn't uh, line up one-to-one, it was cool to see, um, I forget, uh, River of Pain, how, you know, the characters from uh, Alien, Fire, and Stone were put into that. Uh, it was yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely a cool yeah. little thing to see. You know, the backlash for Prometheus and what they want to do with uh, Covenant, it seems like everything is just meshing a lot better together. 
I don't know if that's a coincidence or anything, but it's just, it's nice seeing everything flow and actually have some meaning to it instead of just randomness. Yeah, definitely. But with with, with Fox losing um, Star Wars, you know, it, the Alien and Predator stuff's like one of, probably one of their big, their big sci-fi stuff left over. You know, Star Wars was very good for um, sort of keeping everything in line, wasn't it? Yeah. And, you know, that... Oh, yeah. I imagine that probably played some role in... I'm one of the people that enjoys that kind of continuity and uh, connectedness. So I imagine they wanted to keep that same sort of effort going with um, with the Star Wars replacement, I suppose, for want of better uh, kind of description of it. Was there anything else you guys want to talk about with Defiance? Um, there was one action sequence I loved. I believe it was in the second issue when... Um... Hendrix was opening up a door, and there was the, the I think it was the like, queen and the nest and that little action. Oh, the Praetorian, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, that was really cool. Mm. That was very, very cool. Well, that's another thing that like we were saying earlier. You know, the Praetorians, you, we saw them in one comic, um, Female War. Yes, mm-hmm. I was obsessed with that. After <laughs> I'm like, this is cool. I want to see this in the movie. Yeah, that's that's actually one thing I'm really excited about with Defiance, or the the different uh, kind of morphologies of the alien that we might be seeing. It's it's really exciting. Yeah, like I love the standard life cycle, but you know we've honestly seen this life cycle more times than we could count between the comics and movies and the books. So it's nice to see the other variations and um, get from it mm-hmm. as well. This is um, it's hinting at the egg morphing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. 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 And that's that's another little interesting um, tidbit that, that Tristan dropped on Twitter as well, was that originally he had intended for the, um, the sort of egg morphing alien to just be a straight up big chap, um, you know, from uh, H.R. Giger's design from from Alien, mm-hmm. but he couldn't couldn't do it um, because of Covenant, which seems to sort of hint at them using uh, that approach for um, for Alien Covenant. But I have no issue with that whatsoever because I would like to see Big Chap on screen again and I love like you were saying like you guys were saying, seeing the variation in this expanded universe, you know, that's that's what it's there for, it's to do to branch out and do different things. I actually uh, I saw on Twitter uh I think it was yesterday, you know, all of the response to the uh, the Kenner aliens that uh, NECA is doing. Uh, yeah. I, I'll link to the tweet back on the forum, but uh, Tristan, he said of, of the uh, gorilla alien that he actually wanted to put those in defiance at one point. <laughs> so. Go for it. You know, yeah. there's, there's so much variation. That's something else that doesn't really get played upon, though, isn't it? Um, the whole DNA reflex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which actually... I guess kind of segueing into life and death is something that looks like maybe that uh, Dan Abnett is going to be playing with a little bit. Mm, indeed. Uh, we sort of saw that at the end of um, Fire and Stone, didn't we? Mm-hmm. With, the, with the Omega issue. And uh, what Michael, of course, is talking about is um, we've just had issue two of Prometheus, Life and um, Life and Death. Uh, yeah, I keep getting, I keep getting Life and Death and Fire and Stone confused. Um, and it's introduced the aliens to us, and uh, they're a, a strange, funky new, new style. Um, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm sold on this one personally, but how about you guys? The design, I mean. I mean, it's not my preferred, but you know, I wasn't offended or necessarily overjoyed by it, but it did the trick. Yeah, I uh, I had read in a review, you know, before the issue came out, that uh, you know there was a weird new kind of alien. And I was really looking forward to it. Uh, and when I saw it, I was like, oh, it's the grown-up version of the one from the Omega issue. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely uh, 
I like I like the things that it's setting up. I I, ha- I have a theory about maybe what Abnet is doing with the aliens, but uh, we can we can talk about that in a bit, I guess. So we're only one and a half series is in. Um, mm-hmm. So we've had Predator yeah. and we've had Prometheus. Half half of Prometheus. Yeah, it was Prometheus, wasn't it? And then Aliens is next. Yeah. With one full series so far. Well, that's actually I suppose we should probably talk a little bit about the. Um, Completely skipped the story, haven't we? <laughs> um, for people who might not necessarily know know what's happening, David, when you when you tell us a little bit about um, life and death, the story. Life and death is the follow up, I guess you could say, to the uh, fire and stone. It's set sometime after, and again we get the predator, the alien, the whole kit and caboodle, and um, it starts off with um, the predator this time. You know, I always find the first. Issues of the story is always kind of, I don't say weak, but vague compared to other ones because you kind of have to set the table for the other 12 issues or so. But you get the, you know, Yutani, you know, you get a corporate guy, you get the military, you get the scientists, and they all go down to um, a planet to see what's going on. And of course, they find some visitors in the form of uh, some hunters, and then who are also looking over a fun little juggernaut, and that leads to all sorts of shenanigans. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not obvious right now. Um, well, it, it is as an issue too, but it is very much a sequel to um, Fire and Stone, which yeah, uh, which was another. They they four part. Well, I suppose five part if you consider the, um, the final issues. Miniseries is each with a, a four issue series based on 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 the type of franchise. So you know we've got we've got Predator one, we've got an Alien one, we've got Prometheus one, we've got an Alien vs Predator one. And then the final issue is a you know an extended one shot Prometheus right. um, story. Fire and Stone did it a lot different. Um, it it wasn't a straightforward Alien Predator Prometheus AVP Prometheus closer. It right. had had quite a, an, an overlapping release. Um, yeah, they bombarded us with four issue number ones in a month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not the uh, how strategy. That was a little too ambitious for a reboot. I'm like, why don't you guys start a little simpler next time? You guys not dig that um, that approach? Uh, I mean, it was it was fun when it was happening, and I was getting you know four issues of Alien and Predator comics a month. You know, <laughs> that was that was exciting as a fan, but uh, reading it was kind of I don't know. It was confusing, yeah. I thought. Oh yeah, oh, like I, I could follow it because you know. I'm enough of a you know a fan to know what's going on, but I, the casual right. readers like, oh, they're they're going to be hopping off. Oh yeah, it wasn't that was the first odd time I've ever done comic book reviews before, so I was all like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. It was a little overwhelming. Like, uh, you know, I'd written reviews before and everything, but nothing like this, nothing so all over the place. I'm like, Dark Horse, what are you doing? Something if I didn't write notes, I was getting characters and planets mixed and matched. I'm like, what is going on? Personally I, I thought there was one only one time when I thought that, that format worked. And that, that was straight away that was that was the drop of Prometheus one going into mm. Aliens one. Yes. Yes. That was that was definitely cool. Definitely. Agreed. For folk who who, who uh, didn't read it in that order or have since forgotten, the end of Prometheus One uh, revealed that there was a, um, I think they call it a skiff, um, you know, a, sh- a ship crash landed on this planet, and it was a ship that was from Hadley's Hope. Yes. Then lead, yep. led into the prequel series of Aliens, which sort of explains 
you know, all this stuff happening. That that was pretty much the only time that I thought it worked. Everything else, I just I just found it a bit messy. Yeah, that was the exact word I was using. All over the place. The life and death is doing it. Um, I suppose traditionally um, would would be the best way of saying it. You know, it's it's being released chronologically. Yeah. I think that makes for a better um better experience so far. Yeah, I would, I would agree. It, it, it's definitely, um, the, the, the nice thing about life and death is that it's kind of, you just get one or two issues a month, and then you're able to just kind of digest them and forget about it until the next month, whereas with Fire and Stone, we were constantly getting issues and constantly being drip-fed, you know, little spoilers and things. It was, uh... It, it, it got tiring after a while, and I think I think that's going to work really well for the long run as well because it's it's now just different chapters of a story. You know, there doesn't exactly. there doesn't seem to be any sort of of the overlap that um, they were trying to get in with Fire and Stone. So chapter one, we've we've got a full chapter one Predator. How are you guys feeling about that now? The first two issues of Prometheus, I like it better than I initially did. I thought the second half of the last issue of the Predator was a lot. Stronger, because you always have, they never try to give away too much in the first two. I thought it was a little paint by numbers, some of the story, but I thought, now I realize it's definitely, uh, it was better than I thought it was. Better than I thought it was. Is it taking too slow of a pace, do you think? Um, not anymore, I don't think. Yeah, I, I get the feeling after, uh, after this last issue of Prometheus that the story's really going to kick it into high gear from here yeah. on out. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember as well that, I mean, it's, it's the sort of stuff that I've, spoke to you about before Dave which is I don't like I don't like reviewing singles because it feels like I'm reviewing a chapter at a time of a book and what what we've got to consider about life and death is that it's a 13 part series you know even just the first four issues you're you're still only just you're only just scratching the surface they've only just got to where the bulk of the story is probably going to take place so it's it's kind small, of it's a small ripple in the water. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's hard to really hard to really tell where it's going at the minute, isn't it? Definitely. Predator Safari. Do you think it, it contains itself nicely compared to the others? Uh, I mean, I, I think um, Predator: Life and Death is definitely more. It works better as a self-contained story, sort of even than like, or I mean, um, yeah, than sort of like Predator: Fire and Stone or any of the Fire and Stone comics did. I mean, if you if you just read, you know, the the Predator series, I think, you know, it would be a fairly satisfying story. I think you would still want to read the next part, but I don't think it would be essential reading. Uh, right. It definitely works better as its own story. That makes sense. Yeah, it definitely, with this more traditional setup, everything just um, works better. It works mm-hmm. better. Cause it just more, everything more naturally leads into each other, like how it... Went from issue four of Predator to one Prometheus. It just worked. Mm. Good. The artwork this time around. I I think Predator Fire and Stone is probably one of the best Predator comics series that has been you know, put down. You know, the the artwork worked really well for the story. The story was really interesting. The characters were great. And coming from that kind of well, I don't know if you guys agree. Did, did you enjoy um, Predator: Life and Death? Uh, Fire and Stone, sorry. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. Do you, do you think do you think they they held up well going from um, Predator: Fire and Stone to Predator: Life and Death, or do you think it felt like a bit of a step down? Uh, maybe more of a lateral step because the Predator um, I touched on in one of uh, my reviews is that they arguably the two most memorable characters from that Ahab and Galgo. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. It's tough to really beat that, but 
you know, the art definitely was the best in the, the Petrifarn Stone. That wasn't quite as eye-popping, but story-wise, I think it did what it had to do. Because like you said, it was the first, you know, chapter of, of the book. So I thought it, it did what it needed to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely, uh, as far as the art, it, you know, it's, I, 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 that's one thing about the art in Predator, uh, Life and Death is, there were some panels where it looked a little, a little pedestrian, but then there were other, ish, you know, entire issues and panels where I thought it looked fantastic, so it's, it's just a yeah. little, yeah. I mean, I, I thumb through my, uh, my Fire and Stone hardcover all the time, and I, I really find myself missing, you know, Juan Ferreira and Augustin Alessio. From uh, those series, that, that's uh, yeah, I think I think the art gorgeous. so far in Life and Death is a step down. Yeah, I I actually I'm quite fond of the well not not necessarily quite fond. I I like the artwork for Life and Death. I don't think it's as good as um you know some of the stuff on um, Fire and Stone, like you said. Prometheus was absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely yeah, one of the gorgeous. best looking comics. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, uh, the, the Predator uh, Fire and Stone one, I, I thought suited the story down to a T. It's one of those comics where I, I think, you know, the artwork really complements the style of, of, of the um, the story. Mm-hmm. But something that I really, I, I kind of really dug was the fact that um, the, who drew it? It was Brian Albert Thies, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yep. He used Kenner designs um, for his Predator. That was very cool. And it wasn't something I was expecting either. Yeah, that was a nice touch. And it, it might not be something that, that relatively new people get, but you know, for folk who are aware of, of the classic figures, that that must have been a really cool little. Um, I, I say Kenner, but obviously, um, the, there's been the Necker redesigns that would have made for better reference. That's a great touch. That 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 really put a smile on my face. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious as to sort of where that idea came from, whether it was, you know, fees or whether that was something that Abnet came up with. That uh that, that that gives me some real hope too, especially with the uh the new figures that maybe we'll be seeing some Kenner aliens at some point. <laughs> uh, like Tr- Tristan was interested. Yeah, that I mean I, I don't know. After after seeing that figure, if a uh if a mantis alien showed up somewhere on uh L V two twenty three I'd be I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty badass. One one of the concerns that some people had over the Predator one was that they weren't they didn't they didn't seem as effective as um the predators we've we've seen a lot of you know we we have one or two predator characters show up and get smooshed by the colonial marines. Um, did did you find them to be portrayed a, a bit too weak in this or? I don't think the predators really stand up to the marines very well in sort of a stand up combat, and I think that's what we're seeing. So. I, I can definitely understand the criticism, but I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah, it didn't bother me either. I mean, every you know every soldier is going to have their places where they're, they're at their advantage, and the predators are going to get you when they're all stealthy and to their advantage. When they're out in the open, it makes it it makes sense that the you know the Marines are going to do what they need to do. And and that's a similar criticism that's been brought up in the uh, the recent Rage War novels too. People saying that the predators seemed a little a little weak in comparison to the Marines, but. Yes, it's all a, an advantage thing. That did actually bother me in um, in the Rage Wars because I suppose it's the same sort of problem you you got when moving from you know from alien to aliens, and you you put in these new highly sort of advanced um, weapons and technologies up against these creatures, and it's it's a balancing act trying to keep them keep them threatening, keep them uh, you know still something to be something to be scared of. And, yeah, you know I I can understand the logic in. Um, in Rage Wars and to some extent life and death of these guys have badass technology so they're going to 
stand a better chance, aren't they? But you know, we still need to be we still need to be convinced that the predators and the aliens are gonna you know rip your spine out and take you back to um, take you <laughs> yeah. back to their hives. So that that was pretty much just a matter of time. Yeah. It was that was just a niggle I had with Rage Wars, and I, I can understand it for to, for life and death. I don't think it was as bad as people some people have made it out to be, but you know it's a matter of um, taste, isn't it? After all, a matter of individuality. Yeah, I think the uh, I think you know the the predators certainly took out more marines than marines took out predators in that series. So <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so. It's not like the marines wiped them out, and yeah. that was it. What what do you think of these new marines? Is anybody you taken by them? Are you I like them. Yeah, I think that I think they're they're pretty serviceable characters. You know, that seems like we're getting a few that they're uh, building up. So it's definitely definitely good. Again, that's you know, it's, it's all part of the difficulty of taking things at a little bit of a time, isn't it? I mean, we we literally just been introduced to uh, the bulk, and now they've all been thinned out so that we're only just about starting to get the um, you know the main the driving main characters. It's taking time to to get to know these guys. Yeah. Yeah, it was only the latest issue of the Vigator was like, hey, you know, a couple of these Marines are actually pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm definitely interested to see how uh, Captain Paget and uh, Angela interact, uh, assuming when they meet, that'll be that'll be definitely cool to see. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that'll be it. Interesting dynamic. I, I definitely, and uh, not to jump ahead, but I, I love that moment in the uh, last issue of Prometheus where uh, Angela basically pulls rank on uh, on Roth. I oh, think yeah. it is. Uh-huh. That was definitely cool. <laughs> I think there's gonna, there's some potential for some real interesting sort of tension here because you know that that last um, is it the actual last panel where oh it's the last page yeah, yeah. where the, um, Roth just you know they, they see that they've got Ahab there as as backup. And Roth, you've got to be out of your mind. Um, yeah. Something I'm really hoping for, and I think could be really interesting, is that tension between these colonial marines and Ahab, because you know they've literally just escaped their first encounter with the predators, and you know lost lost a few spinal columns to um, to these guys, and they've now gone from the super antagonistic predators to this um, to Ahab, who's been. You know, teamed up with um, with Angela and, and Galgo, and I think that that could be a really fun dynamic coming up. Oh yeah, that's definitely going to be cool to see. Yeah, you got those. You know, Angela and Galgo survived hell on a bit. You know, scrapping away on the LV two twenty three, and then these new visitors come up. So it should be a it should be a fun time. Yeah. And obviously, with the start of Prometheus, we've now got a um, change of artist as well. It is. Andrea Muti. Mm-hmm. I can't say I'm digging it, uh, this artwork at the minute. It's 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 one of those things where in in some panels and pages I think it looks really really great, but then sort of the way he draws his aliens, I guess, is kind of what we've gotten unfortunately used to seeing, which is not very detailed, kind of a little bit sloppy, maybe. Definitely more simple than what we've seen. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's definitely. A severe lack of overall detail, I think. Uh, you know, there's just. Some pages where I'm, I'm finding some of the faces, barely any detail on it. It just looks like a smudge of um, smudge of beige with some eyes drawn in. But there, there, there was some, um, there was an interesting design bit in the middle of uh, issue two, which was the a new motion, uh, new motion tracker. I don't know if anybody noticed that. Yeah, the thinner motion tracker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was was that in was that in Predator? Did, I can't remember seeing that. I would have to look back, but I want to say no. I, I thought that was that was a cool little addition. I thought that was quite nice. Yeah, it's it's uh, always interesting to see you know the technology advance a little bit. This is 
I think, what, 45 years post-Alien, so it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something a little, a little sleeker makes sense. Yeah. You know, we're still a long way off. We're still a long way off finding out where we're going with this story. We've literally just got to the connection to, um, to Fire and Stone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there any particular hopes that you guys have to see them take the direction of the series? I like seeing, you also touched on before too, what I've liked about the comics and also what you talked about before too, is for all Prometheus' fault, it's set up a different part of the universe that hasn't been touched at all. So I always like seeing, you know, what they might do with the Accelerant or what their views of the engineers or the Dorgonaut. I'm always curious to see how they do with that. And I think the, with all the disaster that's gone on LV223, I'm curious to see what kind of, um, you know, antagonists that we have coming up. One thing that I kind of hope we see, I, I honestly hope we see a little bit less of the accelerant or may, than we did in, in um, Fire and Stone. I feel like it uh, oh, yeah. it became a little ridiculous after a point. But uh, as far as hopes, I don't know. I, I really hope that there's, I, I, I almost hope that Abnett is doing something a bit like Alien Labyrinth with the Xenomorphs here, because we, we see in um, Prometheus number two that the jungle is sort of becoming more and more diseased and sort of right. has a... I'm, I'm really hoping there's something going on with, like, uh, that the, that, yeah, that the hive is diseased, that they're trying to farm viable hosts. I just, I don't know. That'd be pretty even, cool. Even something between, like, a, a conflict between regular aliens and, like, the mutated ones or something would be cool, but... That would be, yeah. That's something that I absolutely love in Labyrinth was was them showing the aliens trying to farm hosts, and it's I think that's literally probably the only time we've ever seen it. Yeah, that's yeah, that one of one that. of the coolest things in the comics. <laughs> and it's it's something that it, it it's a small thing, but it goes a long way to sort of showing the aliens as more than just being bugs to be blasted, you know, in a berserker style kind of thing. And I, I totally agree. It, it would be really interesting to see that in this, especially if if the world is dying, like um, you know, like it seems to be. And and one of one of the um, Fire and Stone survivors actually made a comment about them searching for viable hosts as well, didn't they? So yeah, yeah. Perhaps that is a potential uh, inclusion. Ooh. Do we uh, do we think they're going to touch on the uh, the mysterious living mountain, or do we think it won't even be addressed? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure I want it to be. Yeah, I don't think they're going to bother. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a massive fan of the whole Life and um, Fire and Stone series, I must be honest. I I, I found it to, to tell a lot, but... I found it to do a lot, but not really tell a lot, if you know what I mean. A lot happened, but not a lot happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like Mike was saying with the accelerant, they went a little too crazy. Like I don't know if they were trying to prove a point, or it just didn't work out. Mm. Um, Is there anything really left to say about life and death? No, I think it's a a little. We're not even halfway through yet, so. Um, Would you recommend people give it a go, though? Oh, definitely. Yes. Mm. And Defiance gets the complete stamp of approval at the minute, even though that's only two issues in. That just that gets to go and buy it. Yeah, it's a must. I, th- I think reading the two together is uh, it's definitely an interesting sort of they're a good counterpoint to each other. Two very different takes on the universe, so it's cool. And, and both also being quite expansive as well. You know, Defiance isn't just one colony, um, one incident. It seems to be setting itself up to spread out quite a bit, which is nice. oh yeah, especially based on uh, extravehicular. They're on a completely different planet, even than the one they're orbiting in issue two. So mm. they're going to be yeah. doing some traveling. <laughs> And, and obviously so is 
the the life and death series you know that's not just confined that's actually taking advantage of of, of the avenues of, of uh, exploration that films have been opening up which is which is great to see you know sometimes it just gets a little bit too rinse and repeat but these new ones it's a refreshing take you know that's life and death you know it's still ongoing still got more to come but there has been another pretty i want to i want to say it was a pretty big release it's probably been something that you know we've a lot of people have been waiting for a while and that was Aliens, uh, the Wayland Jutani report. It's an understatement of mine. I saw him at a first Comic Con I went to a couple years ago. I was waiting, waiting for it. And they released that super ultra hyper championship edition <laughs> yeah. first. I was like, thanks, $400, guys. $400, really. yeah. Yeah, for I'm like, I'm a sucker for anything alien, but no. <laughs> I think that was an underestimated, overestimated uh, yeah. release. I love when that uh, when that was first released, too. They're like, oh, no, we're not planning a standard version right now. <laughs> Try to get people to buy it. Yeah, okay. Uh. <laughs> it's, on, on, on its own right, that, that um, 3D slipcover is actually a really nice sort of display piece, but <laughs> people aren't buying it to display, were they? They, they? You know, they wanted to read the damn thing. Yeah. So, you know, it finally came out. finally came out as, as a um, standard edition. No no 3D slip case. A lot of the extras were still there, though. Um, only missing various pieces. Nothing that was detrimental towards, um, you know, towards the book. But, you know, Dave, for such a, a release that's been, you know, you've been waiting that long for, did it, you know, was it, was it as good as, was it everything you hoped for? <laughs> it was it was really good. It was I even some of my friends who had minimal interest in it when they saw the book like, okay, that's really cool. I like the whole um design and how it was written as if, you know, the company Will and Yutani actually you know, put out the book, you know, for public consumption, you know, like the the little details with, you know, stuff blacked out and covered and censored, little inserts. Very nice touch. Very nice touches. By you, Michael. Yeah, I definitely, uh, it was uh, a lot more than I was expecting. I really like, like Dave was saying, all the in-universe stuff. I, I especially like, uh, the, you know, as short as it is, the, uh, the section on resurrection, where they just sort of do nothing but insult the USM <laughs> and everyone involved. Yeah. That felt like a complete <laughs> dig at the film as well, that day. Oh, yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm like, wow, they're miserable doing this whole section of the book. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, everyone involved was crazy, and they were yeah. incompetent, and yeah. Nothing just here, move along, move along. And yeah. We haven't actually mentioned who wrote um, the Wayland yutani report. It was, you know, none other than uh, Stephanie Danielle Perry. Every, yep. Everybody knows the Perry name, <laughs> but if you don't, she wrote the original, well, her and her father wrote some of the um, original Alien um, and Alien vs. Predator books, you know, the whole Yaucha culture you can, uh, you can thank those two for. So you know, for a for a choice to um, for a name to sort of get involved in this in this comprehensive um, book, say like, well, not massively comprehensive, but it's still it's still a really big book with a lot going on, isn't it? You know, um, getting one of the Perrys involved, I think, was a genius yes. genius move. Um, and like uh, like Dave was saying earlier as well, the the, the in universe angle of it makes it, it doesn't feel like a dry sort of. Um, Technical manual does it? It actually right. it's got a fair bit of flavour to it. Yeah, yeah it's got some character. Mm. And I think that I, you know the the Colonial Marine te- technical manual is probably was probably like the closest comparison to to what the Wayland Utani report was. But it it was a dull, boring, yeah, complete. I, lo- I love that book, but very dry. Mm. The textbook. 
it's, it's not something you could particularly pick up easily to read, is it? Yeah. Um, but this, this, um, the Wayland Utani report, you know, even though it's it's an information piece, it's still very fictional. There's still a lot of flavour in there that makes it quite easy to just pick up, sit down, and enjoy. You still get, you know, you still get your, your technical information from it, but it, it does it in a in a pretty damn entertaining way, I think. Not the whole. Oh, yeah. And, you mentioned before we were recording, but the presentation of the book as well. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous. It's it's you know it looks like something that would they would have put out and all the little inserts and um, the space piece. I thought was brilliant to put in there mm. from <laughs> Alien Three from Morse. That that's actually a really small sort of. Um, it's not something that I think a lot of people would be aware of. Is you know the the novelization for Alien Resurrection. Um, Said that Morse wrote a book after the event of Alien Three, and that's pretty much the the only only place that is mentioned. Yeah, I was, I was even I had no idea that was even a a thing. <laughs> and <laughs> a nice touch. Yeah, so you know it's really it's really cool little fun thing, and the artwork in that book is just I don't think they could have got any more suitable people to do to to come on board. I mean, you've got all this gorgeous three D artwork from uh, mm-hmm. Mark. Marcus Panzergraf, who, if if you know, are involved in the online community, you might know him better as uh, Lacoste. Oh. He's, he's been doing he's been doing rendering for absolutely years, and he's he's one of those people that you you might not know his name, but I can guarantee you you've seen some of his artwork over over the years. And uh, John John Mullaney provided the the, the technical um, the sort of earthbound I guess kind of uh, technical drawings. Which were great as well. Anyway, it, it gave both of them gave the book a really, really, I'd say slick sort of visual appearance yeah. to it. Definitely. I mean, it's it's almost worth recommending the book just for the artwork. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a it's a yeah it's, it's a great like coffee table book. Mm. Oh yeah. And especially at the standard price as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot more, a lot more feasible. <laughs> and. Uh, it's even mentioned in, um, you know, talking back to the, um, you know, the, the con- continuity that we were mentioning earlier between them. But the report is referenced in one of the books. Um, yeah, Sea of Sorrows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, that's oh, uh, memory wipe. No, no, there was the book after. That was the one set uh, after Resurrection. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I got my titles confused. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was a weird <laughs> release in order as well, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so prequel. Sequel, yeah, sequel thing. <laughs> I, I, th- I think I think Fox just went through a brief period of just trying to confuse everybody. I think so. <laughs> Sounds like Fox. So would you know? Would you guys recommend that book? Would you say go out and buy it? Yeah, I mean I'm being biased, but it, like I briefly mentioned before, it's one of my of the absolute uh, infest- infestation of alien stuff we had thrown at us. On Alien Day and the time before and after, this is one of my favorite um, items from it because it's, it's stuff you can, you know, like the art is good at any time to look at, and it's always worth a reread. And anyone who's new or old to the series will find will get something out of it. It's, to me, it's it's all borderline must buy. Yeah, definitely, I, I would agree. It's it's great for people who just sort of casually like the franchise and want to learn a little bit more and appreciate all the great art. And then people who are sort yeah. of more well versed will catch all the little Easter eggs and everything. Yeah. Definitely cool. I couldn't agree more. I don't think. I, I especially like the um the uh, how she settled the issue of uh, Bishop in uh, Alien Three. 
That was uh, him being a, a human with uh, like cybernetic implants or something. That was yeah. cool. <laughs> there was there was lots of fun little tidbits in there, wasn't there? Oh yeah, yeah. nuances and uh, details. And it even re- um, slightly references um, some of the other stuff as well, doesn't it? With isolation. Yeah, fire and stone gets a reference. Yeah, so you know it's all good. And I I have to agree. You know, it, it's standard price. I think it, I think it's a, a great buy. You know, if if you're going into it expecting the kind of detail that you you got from Clone Marine's technical manual, you're you're going to be disappointed. But you know, as as a fictional reference sort of guide, and uh, like you said earlier, Michael, you know, it's a brilliant coffee beer and coffee table book. And um, is there anything, any other releases you guys would like to mention, or any anything that we haven't brought up that you guys would like to chat about? Just real quick, I know you're not a fan of the the crossovers, but it's oh yeah, that one. You guys yeah. knock yourself out with that one, then. <laughs> I thought it was a decent first uh, issue. It's, I mean, it was, I didn't, until Aaron actually mentioned it before, I had no idea this was even something that had happened in the past. But um, it should be interesting to watch play out. I guess kind of more of a, a light-hearted alien story with all the serious aliens um, stuff we've been reading lately with the books and the comics. I guess, you know, I think they take a little more of a light-hearted. Uh, fair to it. It could be a fun series, but I honestly have no idea what to expect. <laughs> I, I'm just worried reading the solicitations, hearing about the uh, the hybrids. Uh, that that just makes me have bad memories of some of the early 2000s crossovers. Yeah, yeah like right. Uh, just in the first, you know, like the middle panel. Oh, here we go. Another mad scientist. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. Here we go again. And it's gonna be the, the we'll Joker see. alien all over again. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Did that happen? Uh, in, uh, yeah, Batman Aliens 2, there was, a uh, Joker Alien, Killer Croc Alien, Mr. Freeze Alien. Oh I didn't know that was real. I thought that was just some concept artwork thing. Wow, I didn't realize that was an actual thing. All right. Oh, then. yeah, that's, that's real. They come out of the nowhere in the final issue. It's, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Makes me so sad. Oh, uh, man. Have, have you guys ever read that, uh, Alien Predator Witchblade Darkness crossover? No. <laughs> no. I avoided that. Oh, man, that, that's, that's gotta be that's gotta be the worst of the crossovers. That, that's so bad. <laughs> I did accidentally end up with what was the recent one? Va- Vampirella. Oh, Vampirella. Yeah, my uh, my local obviously knows that I'm into the stuff, so we saw this stuff pop up and just popped it on my order. And I was, <laughs> no, I've checked that one out either. I, I couldn't do it. I think I got about three issues into it and <laughs> I stopped. I bought all the issues of that and the uh, Archie versus Predator oh, what's one. Wrong and with I Sound <laughs> oh, like, like me, your your morbid curiosity just can't resist. I'm like, let's, let's, all right, let me try it. Oh, I guess I should support the license, even if I'm not actually going to read these comics. Yeah. <laughs> uh. No, you're only making them make more. That's true. That's true. Uh. Well, go on then. What what did you think, Archie versus Predator? Uh, I mean, I I haven't read it. Like I said, I just bought the issue. Oh, uh, just support. <laughs> I'll let yeah. you off then. Still, stop stop letting them think it sells well. That's true. It's <laughs> definitely better than uh, Alien vs. Predator vs. Terminator. <laughs> stop doing these crossovers. You hear me, Dark Horse? You know, now we're going to get uh, Alien vs. Predator vs. Uh, podcast host. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I won't mind that. <laughs> that actually wouldn't... Um, okay, cool. Uh, well, thanks for listening today, everybody. Um, you know, like we sort of said in the middle, it's, it's difficult to, you know, fully talk about these things that are just halfway there. Um, but Defiance has been so good I thought we really needed to at least, at least bring it up and obviously Life and Death's a, a massive ongoing thing at the minute as well 
you know. So if you guys didn't know about these things, it, it's nice to to you know let let you know what's there, what's what's coming out. Before we do sign off, though, I just wanted to give Dave a chance to plug his blog. So, Dave, um, tell us about Hulk in Review. All right, it's actually um, it's not my blog. It's actually um, my friend's Kareem's uh, blog. Without him um, allowing me to do these reviews through a nice little uh, Twitter exchange, I wouldn't wouldn't have led to Wailing Tanny Bolton and coming on this podcast. So, HulkinReviewer.com is a nice alternative source for any reviews, previews for uh, movies, TV, anything in the Lovely geek nerd culture, and of course, my reviews for anything Alien Predator uh, related, so be sure to check that out. Um, thanks again, Aaron, for inviting me, and uh, nice meeting you as well as Mike. So, um, yep, nice meeting you. Uh, Mike, do you? I don't, don't think you really have anything to... <laughs> no, but uh, I'm Mike. You can find me on the uh, the forums and everything. I'm Ultra Morph. I'm pretty active on there and on Twitter, so you, you've probably seen me. He's, uh, he's quite on the uh, on the mark with all the comic stuff. Yeah, I try to uh, keep up to yeah. the minute. <laughs> pretty much guaranteed there. I'll have to give you a follow on the Twitters. Uh, I, think, I, I don't even know my Twitter handle <laughs> off the top of my head. <laughs> and then Dave uh, mentioned uh, the Wayland Utani uh, Bulletin, which is a, a Facebook group that... Um, all three of us are actually members of, yep. which is probably the the most active alien. Um, I say probably it is the most active alien uh, group on on Facebook. So you know, give them a search if uh, you spend most of your discussion time on Facebook. And of course, you know, don't forget to keep checking out our various um, social media pages and, and the website itself. Going on uh, fourteen years strong. So, you know, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. If you've got alien and predator stuff to come chat about, feel free to sign up to the forums. Uh, but yeah, I think that about covers it. Uh, so, uh, this is um, Corporal Hicks. Uh, Dave Gogol, signing off. This is Ultramorph, signing off. This is the uh, 39th episode of the Alien First Predator Galaxy Podcast. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.